Well, my name is Mo, the executive pastor here, and glad that uh, you are here this morning. Third service, thank you for being here, and uh, it's an honor to be able to speak today. Uh, Darren and the Haiti team were in Haiti, including Pastor Shindell, uh, this past week, but Darren came home early um, and picked up his lovely bride and kids and went to Chicago to be with Ashley as she graduated from Naval Boot Camp this week, and so... We're celebrating that, some family time together, and they got, ba- got back super late last night, so they are here this morning running around, so thank you for being here. Darren's sitting in the back staring at me as I'm preaching. Uh, I'm doing, I'm, got a cheerleader, all right? It's good. Um, yes. It's funny. You're going to understand why this is really important in about 10 minutes as I'm talking about this. Um, we'll get to it in a second, but... We are wrapping up our series, I Choose Joy. It has been a study of the book of Philippians, uh, four weeks and four chapters, and uh, this week will be the final chapter, chapter four, and starting with verse four, reading through verse nine, and this is Paul speaking uh, at the church of Philippi to the Philippians, and I just want to go ahead and read these verses as we jump in this morning. Verse four, rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again, rejoice Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And peace of God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Verse nine, whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. Word of the Lord. Well, I have a confession for you this morning. Um, I'm gonna be a bit transparent and vulnerable with you today, so please be gracious and kind. Um, We're gonna dive into a couple things, and one of the things is to let you know that I struggle quite a bit with um, worry, fear, and anxiety almost all the time. Uh, It's something that I have kind of grown up with, in a sense, and as I've, I remember kind of dealing with it as a child, and especially now as an adult, those those things um, are always kind of going on in my head all the time. I live up here a lot, and uh, for those of you that are familiar with the Enneagram, I'm a type six, and so that means loyal skeptic, and so while uh, my loyalties are strong, I'm a faithful, loyal friend, my, uh, my skepticism really does run deep, for sure. I'm kind of the, the worst case scenario guy. Um, anything that can go wrong will go wrong, because it has gone wrong before, so why wouldn't it again? Uh, the chicken little syndrome, you know what I'm talking about? Kind of live there a lot. Uh, the first sign of a health symptom, I've already kind of got it in my mind that it's the worst possible scenario and it's probably going to require a hospital visit at some point. Um, it's really bad for those of us that think like that to like Google your symptoms. That's a terrible idea. I've learned to not do that anymore. Um, it's just not helpful. Um, when I was younger, uh, in my, my teens and 20s, um, I, it, it, was, it got so bad that I started kind of experiencing hypochondria. I don't know if you know what that is, but if you had an upset stomach or a sore throat or a fever or something and you were telling me about it, within an hour, uh, I would start having those same symptoms. The power of the mind would usher in those same exact things, and it was, it was crippling in a lot of ways. 
I have a fear of heights. Um, I will not be getting in the balloon tethered or not. Uh, the, the hot air balloon will, I'll, I'll, I'll be helping people get on and off of it. Um, you know, it's funny, the, the hot air balloon guy, I setting this up with him and he was bragging about how we can get this thing 150 feet in the air if you want, tethered. And uh, I said, it's not gonna happen. I negotiated him down about 50 feet. So we're gonna be going about 50 feet in the air uh, with the tethered balloon. Um, and he's just a phone call away. We can get that right back to 150. Not a problem. The people have spoken, and that's what we're going to do. Shoot, just forget the tether altogether. And all the type seven people rejoice. Absolutely. Fear of heights, fear of drowning. I'm a terrible swimmer. The irony is I own a pool, so that's just, that's bad. Um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a man of uh, routine. I, I, I eat the same thing at a restaurant. Uh, I, I never deviate. I don't like to try new things. Um, I'm, I'm told you, I'm just kind of laying it all out on the line this morning. Um, I have a fear of public speaking, yet here I am. Um, had to push through that over the years, especially uh, even this morning. Um, it just takes a lot of mental uh, gymnastics to push through it to be able to be here this morning. And if we could maybe just even go just one step deeper in our relationship today, um, I want to share that about a couple months ago, at the end of a, a long, um, great day here at Conduit after three services, uh, I was having a really rough day, um, just not feeling right. And thankfully, we have wise people around us, such as David and Darren and my wife, who suggested that I should probably get to urgent care. Um, I, I was feeling terrible and nothing was really feeling quite right. And so anyways, they run a bunch of tests and they come back and say, you are like a-okay, like a bill of health. We don't know what your problem is, but have you ever had a panic attack? Um, I said, no, I've, believe it or not, I've never had a panic attack, all those, given all those other things, um, but I had not. And uh, it was kind of a wake up call for me a little bit, just to be able to acknowledge and process that uh, the worry and the fear and anxiety in my life kind of started to spin to the wrong side of things and try to get that back in alignment. And I share all of that um, in light of this passage, because this passage has been a, a life preserver, um, has been a, a rock for me for years. And so to know that this was the passage in the part of Philippians that we were gonna dive into on this particular week that I had the opportunity to share was really encouraging as it's been an encouragement to me over the years. The battle for our minds. We are bombarded with ideas and thoughts and opinions and information and misinformation and disinformation. Um, all you have to do is scroll through Facebook for about 10 seconds and you can figure that out. Um, but to ignore the fact that there's a war on our minds would be foolish. And I believe that the real estate of our minds are the front lines of battle into our lives. It's the open door, it's the gate where the enemy can attack. And this isn't a new idea by any means, it's actually one of the first ideas. Genesis chapter three, started in the garden, and you know the story. Chapter three, verses four and five says, then the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes or your mind will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. This was in direct disobedience to God's command in the garden. 
Satan made the first move on the war of our minds and the battle has been raging ever since. And we have to remember that our thought life is directly attached to the rest of our life. You plant bad seeds, you reap bad fruit, good seeds, good fruit. But the good news is we're the gardeners so we can help plant the correct seeds. So how do we do that? We turn to his word, first and foremost. Philippians chapter four, starting with verse four. I'm gonna kind of go through each of these verses one at a time. It's gonna kind of read more like a Bible study than maybe a sermon perhaps, but there's a lot of truth in here and I hope it encourages you today. Starting with verse four, simply says, rejoice in the Lord always, I say it again, rejoice. And rejoice is a verb, it's actually an action. It means to be joyous. It's a, it, is a, it is a form of, of, of doing. You are joyous. And I think he repeats it twice for emphasis because it's so hard to do, especially when it says always, because I don't always want to have joy. I don't always feel joy, but it's a command. And he tells us to rejoice. And I think when we understand and we learn, as we have through this series, that joy is a reflection of the unchanging relationship we have to a sovereign Lord, meaning regardless of our circumstance, in light of his sovereignty, it's gonna be okay. The big picture, the perspective. And we're reminded of that again in Romans 8, 28, familiar verse. All things come together for good for those who are called according to his purpose and his sovereignty. So rejoice, so he says rejoice, and then he says, let your gentleness be evident to all in verse five. The Lord is near. Gentleness, it's one of the fruits of the spirit alongside joy. I don't think that's a coincidence but it simply means being gracious with humility. That's what gentleness is, having grace with humility and that it should be obvious. It says evident to all, be obvious. And I think verses four and five are kind of a setup for verse six because he's telling us to rejoice, to be joyful with grace and humility. Why? Verse six says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. One of my favorite verse, and I'm not the only one, because Amazon did a study in 2014. They did a study with their Amazon Kindle. What is the most highlighted scripture in the Kindle Bible app across the globe? You know what verse it was? This one, Philippians 4, verse six. This idea of anxiety and worry and fear is not, we're not alone in that. It's a very popular idea. But he says, don't be anxious, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, bring it to the Lord through prayer. So I have these four questions that, that I like to present to the Lord. Whenever I'm struggling with something, an idea, a concept, a, a, just a struggle of, of, of anxiety or worry, I like to have it in some sort of context, in some sort of light to God's word and his truth. So I ask myself these four questions. Is that thing that I hear that I'm struggling with or that person said that's got me off kilter, whatever it is, is it really true or is this a lie? Is it really true or is this a lie? Does this sound like the devil's accusation or is it the spirit's conviction? There's a difference. There's a difference. What am I putting my hope in now? God's word and his work? or what someone else has said, or someone else's work, or their word? 
How do the truth of Jesus' life, his death and resurrection, the embodiment of his work that he, that he gave on this earth, that story that was told, that truth that lived here, how does that address this particular thought or belief that I'm holding? Does it resonate? Does it work? Is it in alignment or out of alignment? I process these questions a lot. Diving even deeper. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses three, four, and five. This is Paul again. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power, they being our weapons, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. We take these thoughts, we make them prisoner and make them submit to Christ. Submission to Christ and his righteousness. We have the power to do that. The power to do that. And if we do that, it says in verse seven, as we continue, verse seven, and the peace of God, which transcends understanding, rises even above understanding, peace, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. It's a beautiful picture. And knowing that we're susceptible to the enemy breaking and entering into our minds, it would be foolish not to protect it. Some sort of uh, safeguard or security system uh, would seem to make sense. We, we, protect, uh, we protect everything else. We protect our valuables. We protect our phone. Like, you can't get into my phone unless you know my PIN code or you have my thumbprint, which would be weird if you had my thumbprint. Um, we, we, we lock our cars. We lock our, our houses, our doors. Um, we, go through, we go through great measures to make sure we have safety and security in every other aspect of our lives. We've even figured out a way to put a video in our doorbell, a camera in our doorbell to make sure who's coming. In fact, Ring, the company that invented the video doorbell, in 2017, last year, they had a revenue of $415 million in sales, almost a half a billion dollars in the doorbell camera situation. <laughs> we put value on safety and security in every other aspect of our lives, except, in many cases, our minds. People can just come right in. People live there. We've become lazy landlords of our minds. We let worry and anxiety take up residence. Doubt and fear move in and they don't pay rent. Jealousy is a frequent guest. Bitterness practically owns the place. And apathy, well, apathy doesn't plan on leaving anytime soon because it doesn't care to. We are reminded over and over in scripture to guard our minds. I'm gonna kind of machine gun these verses because it's repeated often. Romans 8, 6. For to set the mind on the flesh is death. To set the mind on, <clears throat> I'm sorry, to set the mind on the spirit is life. Spirit. Proverbs 4.23. More than anything you guard, protect your mind for life flows from it. More than anything. More than anything. 1 Peter 5, 8, and 9 is a great reminder. It says, be sober-minded, be watchful, or vigilant. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. We're at war. You are at war. 
every day. In verse nine, it says, resist. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. You are not alone in this war, but you're at war. And then comes a bit of a solution that he offers in verse eight. One of my favorite verses in all of scripture, probably top three. Finally, brothers and sisters, finally. Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. I've, I've mentioned maybe earlier about um, this, this passage being kind of a, um, a rock for me or a life preserver for me. This verse um, has definitely been what I kind of like to call like a truth compass, kind of keeps me on track. And uh, or I've quote it often, repeat it often, and I always kind of have this visual, um, this visual compass in my mind's eye of what that looks like, and I drew a really crude drawing of, of what I see up here. And uh, it's just this simple compass, this idea of reminding myself to think on the things that are actually true, things that are noble, right, pure, admirable, lovely, and any other synonym that makes sense, and to stay out of the red worry, fear, and anxiety. And I've noticed that when I let my guard down, I end up in the red. So what does letting your guard down look like? Well, I think it looks like a lot of the same as when we don't lock our car and we don't lock the house. We don't spend time in the word like we should. We don't spend time in prayer, one-on-one time with the Lord. We forsake being together as a community of believers which gives Satan a foothold into our lives and into our minds. The truth compass, it's been helpful for me. Verse nine, whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, do it. And the God of peace will be with you. We've gotta create new muscle memory with this. It's gotta be a new habit, an active progression In a recent study, the National Science Foundation found that on average, our brains produce 50,000 thoughts a day. Now, I said I was a loyal skeptic, so the skeptic in me did not believe that, so I had to go research it. And found three uh, three other sources that agreed with that same number. 50,000 thoughts a day, which roughly is about 35 thoughts a minute probably having some right now. (laughs) Of those 50,000, there's about 7,000 different ways, forms, types of advertisements that you are bombarded with every day. 7,000 is the recent number, marketing number that they've talked about. Social media, radio, TV, stores, mailbox, um, your name brands on your clothes and on the cars or just driving down Main Street in Spring Hill, you see about 1,000 of them. Advertisements coming at you, all different shapes and sizes. It gets worse. Americans average about five hours and four minutes of TV a day. Even more, the amount of time we spend consuming media, such as watching TV, surfing the web, on our phones, radio, media, media consumption. According to Nielsen ratings in 2016, we average 10 hours and 39 minutes of consumption every day from some form or fashion 
from culture. Right in the front door. And whether we realize it or not, we are shaping the content of our thoughts by what we consume. You are shaping the content of your mind by what you bring in. It's no different than we, sh- we, we shape the content of our body by what we eat. We can treat it no different. What are you letting in to your mind? Paul says to put it into practice, to be vigilant, to do these things I just talked about, just to do it. And I'm reminded in Romans chapter 12, verses one and two, very, very uh, popular passage, encouraging passage. Paul says this, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers. He's saying, I urge you, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, in other words, for the love of God, would you please present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world. Stop letting all this stuff in all the time. Don't do that. But be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may, be, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect and lovely and right and true. That renewal of the mind, when it says renewing your mind, um, that, that's, that's uh, the, the definition of that, the, the breakdown of that is a continual renewing, nonstop, just like you take a breath, you exhale, and you, you probably have to take another one. Same with renewing. I just had to renew the tags on my car. I had to go get an e-check and send it in, and they mail it to me, and I slap it on the back of my car, and it's done for a year. That's not the type of renewing we're talking about. It's daily renewal, every day. I'm also reminded of 1 Timothy 1.7, where it says, he does not give what? The spirit of fear, but he gives a spirit of power, Power. Do we know what that word means? Dunamis. It's root for dynamite. Power. Love. Self-control. We have the power inside it, but do we access it? And do we lock the door into our minds from the culture and what the world says or what that person said? Do we live with what that person said to us last week, all week long? And we start moving out of the green into the red they say that? Do they really mean that? And we start telling this story that's not even true. Making sure that we're in the word every day. Some form or fashion. That looks different for everybody. But we're spending time with the Lord through prayer. We're spending time with believers. These, these are our safety measures that, we, that the Lord has given us. We have the power, the spirit, the power to overcome these things. At the end of it all, the reason, one of the reasons that we want to push through this is freedom. Freedom. We talked about a breakthrough, wanting a breakthrough, needing a breakthrough, releasing of strongholds. Our minds are so powerful that we can experience freedom in Christ if we can get a hold of this and experience true breakthrough, whatever that might look like for you and the power that comes from that so that we can learn to choose joy. And it becomes muscle memory. It becomes easy to choose joy. 
I'm encouraged by this verse and this, this study and this, this chapter. The book of Philippians is one of my favorite books in the whole Bible. So much truth. And the, the irony of Paul saying to choose joy is he wrote that sitting on the floor of a jail cell, which gives us even more perspective for our problems. Such an encouraging letter. And I pray that we can execute that this week, starting today. We can figure out how to choose joy by protecting our minds. Let's stand and pray. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the power of your word or the power of prayer through the spirit. You said you give us not a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power. Lord, we can use that. Like it's accessible to us. Help us to not be apathetic. Help us to not just go through the motions. Help us to be countercultural. Help us to rely on you for your encouragement, Lord, your hope and faith. Thank you for your word just spelling it out so clear. Lord, I pray that those that are here today that may be struggling with that, with this, with that, Lord, they can find freedom in, in letting go some of these chains around their heart and their mind. They can find freedom in you. Lord, I pray that even this week, Lord, that you would allow us to seek you first. Lord, that you would keep our minds focused and calibrated and renewed each and every day. Lord, we ask these things in your name. Amen. Hope to see you Wednesday, 7 o'clock. Have a good week. <laughs>